We have now reached the third Sunday of Advent, called Gaudete Sunday, Rejoice. Normally the priest wears rose or pink, and when I was flying back from the People's Republic of California yesterday on the plane, (laughs) jokes you can make in Washington County, I was thinking about what I was going to preach about, and I thought I'll preach on why the priest wears pink. And then I thought to myself, I don't have a pink vestment, and if St. Francis Cabrini doesn't have a pink vestment, then I'm going to be wearing purple preaching about why I'm wearing pink, and that would be awkward. So someday I'll get one for the parish. So instead, I decided I'd preach on John the Baptist. He's a very important figure in the New Testament. The church hints at how important he is, because throughout the liturgical year, we actually celebrate his birth and his death, and that's very rare. So I think in Advent, it's worth it to pause and to look at the figure of John the Baptist. The early Christians called John the Baptist sort of the patron or the forerunner of monasticism or the religious vocation. I'm convinced that any renewal or reform in the church, and we're living through a renewal, I lived through it in the seminary, will entail also a reform and a renewal of religious life, specifically for men, monasticism, and women religious. I think one thing the church needs now more than anything else is women religious. Sisters are far, far holier than I and far more beloved than I, and we need them far more than I. And so if you look at the life of John the Baptist, if you're of that age, where you're discerning what you should do in life, And if the life of John the Baptist calls to you at all, if it stirs something deep within you, you should explore that. That's probably the seeds of God calling you to religious life. Because John the Baptist lived sort of the prototype (coughs) of religious life. He went out into the the desert to pray and to contemplate God. And back in the day, that was considered the highest vocation. You and I, we live in the world. I have to run a parish, so I have to worry about electric bills and sinks and all these worldly things. The monks, who spend most of their life in prayer, they contemplate only the highest good, and that is God. So it was seen sort of as the loftiest vocation, the one which foretastes heaven. So John goes out into the desert to pray, to be with the Lord. And then he offers penance for his people. That's one of the key aspects of religious life is to offer penance for your people. And then when John comes and does preach, he preaches one thing, really. He points to Christ. John's whole life is directed, orientated towards Christ. And that's the goal of the religious. I always say that I will have reached priestly perfection when you guys forget my name. When I am so consumed by Christ that you look at me and you only see God and you don't remember my name. That's priestly perfection. That was John the Baptist. Christ increased, John the Baptist decreased. Everything John did pointed towards Christ. So again, if you see John the Baptist and you have stirrings in your heart, those are the seeds of a religious vocation and you should explore that. In today's gospel, we see John the Baptist sending his disciples to Christ and they ask him a question. They say, are you the one who is to come or should we expect another? And it's a curious question, because we're now in the 11th chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. And we know from earlier in the Gospel, and we know from the Gospel of John, 
that John the Baptist knew precisely who Jesus was. He pointed him out as the Messiah when he baptized him. And so the question is, why is he sending his disciples then with this question? Are you the one who is to come or should we look for another? Because John already knows the answer. St. Thomas, I think, points in the right direction. It's John the Baptist had acquired disciples around him. He had followers. And John the Baptist knew that the ultimate goal for his followers was not to follow him, but to follow Christ. And now John the Baptist is in prison, and he wants his disciples to go follow Christ. And so he sends them to Christ. Again, that's all John ever does, is points to Jesus. And so the disciples come, and they say, are you the one who is to come? And Jesus' response is from our first reading today, from the Gospel of the prophecy of Isaiah. And he says, go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind regain their sight. The lame walk. Lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. And the dead are raised. Jesus cites Isaiah, and he's telling the disciples, this is being fulfilled in your presence. And this is important to reflect upon because it tells you how Jesus reads the Old Testament. And if God reads the Old Testament a certain way, we should read it that way because God wrote it. And it's that the Old Testament points to Christ. Jesus Christ is the word of the Father. So when God the Father revealed himself to us, he gave us one word. And that word is Jesus Christ, complete and whole and entire in himself. So everything which God the Father wanted to teach you about himself is summed up in Jesus Christ. And so the ancient way of reading sacred scripture is that the Old Testament points to Christ. It foreshadows Christ. It prophesies about Christ. The Gospels explain the life of Christ. And then the New Testament epistles talk about Christ's church. And then Revelation talks about the triumph of Christ. So all of sacred scripture is Christ. It's like I tell the kids in the school, when you don't know the answer, yell out Jesus. It's usually right. There's no other word besides Jesus Christ. And that's why we don't look for prophets anymore. Israel would always look for prophets. Who's the next great prophet who will speak to us? We don't look for that anymore because we have the fullness of revelation, which is Jesus Christ. And so everything which Jesus did reveals to you something about God the Father. Everything. And so in the Advent season, I think it's worth reflecting upon the way that Jesus comes on Christmas night. Because that's going to reveal to you the personality of God the Father. And so Jesus Christ did not come to us as a glorious king. He could have. He could have came with cherubim and seraphim and thrones and dominions. And he could have came as a king and he could have punched Satan in the mouth and he could have redeemed us that way. And he didn't do that. Because it reveals something about God. He came as an infant and he laid in a feeding trough. The feeding trough, of course, is a foretaste, a foreshadow of the Eucharist. And it also shows the humility of God, that he comes as an infant. But I also think it reveals something about what God the Father wants from you and from, from me. Infants, if you're a normal person, are not scary. I'm terrified of infants, but ignore that. Most people, when they see an infant, they would just want to do one thing. They want to grab the infant, hold the infant, love the infant. They're not scared of the infant. And the infant wants to only have one thing done to them. The infant just wants to receive love. And the fact that God took on human nature and came as an infant tells you that that's what God wants. 
He wants to receive love from you. God the Father does not want you to be terrified of him. If he did, he would come with anger and justice and all those things. And so I think during the Advent season, it is important to meditate upon Christmas night, to sort of imagine yourself in the manger with the shepherds, with the Magi, with Mary, with Joseph in front of the infant Jesus. And you can pour out your heart before the infant. You can tell him your sins because he's an infant and you don't have to be afraid. You can tell him your thoughts, your feelings, your desires, what you want. You can worship him, but most of all, you should simply love him. The fact that he came, took on human nature so that you would love him. And ultimately, as I always say, we should be like the Magi. We come and we offer right worship to God. We come with the gold of love, the frankincense of prayer, and the myrrh of contrition and mortification. That's what we should do during the Advent season. Love God because that's what he wants, because that's why he came in the way that he did. When Jesus Christ took on human nature, he did it a certain way because he wanted to teach you something about who God the Father is. And that tells you that God the Father is humble, he is merciful, and he wants to be loved by you.